Uh, really good to be with you, and if you're visiting today, welcome. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor here at St Andrews. It's a joy to have you with us. And I wasn't here last week, I was away having a time off, and it was great, and it was relaxing. We went and caught up with uh, some people, friends and family, and went to a church we used to attend. And uh, so nice being back there, and just hearing their stories, what's going on in their lives, etc. Um, but there was actually a moment in the church service where I'm sitting there going, oh, this is so familiar, these people are so familiar, uh, it's really nice, uh, and it's not my people, uh, and it's good to be back with you today. Uh, we're carrying on in our series, The Message of the Cross, and today we're in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, and it's verses 10 to 14, Galatians 3 verse 10, if you want to follow along, the words will be here behind me. Let me read them to you though. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is God's word to us. And today I'm going to be talking about cursing and blessing, and they have to go in that order. And I'm suspicious that most people get blessing, they understand it, but when I'm, I talk about cursing, uh, I don't mean swearing, and I'm, I'm guessing that's actually what most of us think there. Uh, when I talk about cursing, when the Bible talks about cursing largely, it is talking about calling down God's curse, God's judgment on something or someone. And while we might hear the phrase used, we probably hear the phrase used, God damn, uh, when I use the phrase today, God damn, I actually mean God and I mean damning. And I am going to use that phrase today and I don't want it to just rush past you. Oh, familiar words? No, it's not me damning. It's not anyone else. It is God damning. And those should be weighty words. They should cause us to stop. But we have to start with them before we can get to God blessing. And I want to throw up an example about how these two go together, blessing and cursing. Obviously, they're opposites, and this is Proverbs 11, verse 26, and I think it's a good example of this. And there we read, People curse the one who hoards grain. We'd probably say today, who buys all the toilet rolls. But they... Pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Now this proverb is about selfishness and about thinking of others, but it's also a really good example of how curses and blessings are opposites, and importantly, how the blessing of God and the curse of God are the greatest and the worst. The blessing of God's amazing. Amazing. There is no blessing better. But likewise, the curse of God uh, is the worst. 
Uh, it is terrible. And to give a, another example of this, because I really want to draw this out, um, here is a passage from Numbers 6. Uh, we might have heard this prayer in the white background here, called the priestly prayer or the ironic prayer, not ironic, but ironic. Uh, and there it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The reason it's called the ironic prayer or the priestly prayer it wasn't for Aaron, it wasn't for the priest. It was that the priest would say this over God's people. It was a blessing from God for his people. This is a, a blessing from God. It's not them coming up with some nice words. This is God saying, this is the blessing. This is the blessing I want to give my people. So you priests, Aaron, you do it. Well, a number of years ago, R.C. Sproul, a Christian theologian, um, he was thinking about this and he, he, he did sort of the obvious thing, or maybe I should say the easy thing. He was wondered, well, what would be the curse? What would be the flip side of this? So it's not complicated to do. You don't need to be particularly creative. You just flip it around. And so he came up, so this is what he came up with, the curse. And there was a reason for this, but let me read it to you. Listen to the curse. May the Lord curse you and abandon you. May the Lord keep you in darkness and give you only judgment without grace. May the Lord turn his back upon you and remove his peace from you forever. Those are weighty words, aren't they? Weighty, weighty words. And the contrast is powerful. God's blessings and curses, they're not just words. They are relational and they are as big as God himself. And they have consequences. When God says something, it comes into being. It happens. And if that's a blessing, whew, great. But if that's a curse, oh dear. I want to give one more example of this, and this sets up our passage today. This is from Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28. And to set the scene, Israel is about to enter the land promised to them by God. Moses is with them. He's not going to get to go in. So he's giving them sort of his final words. And as part of that, these final instructions, he tells them, when you get in the promised land, one of the very first things you're meant to do uh, is that you're meant to split the tribes in half, So six of them will go up on Mount Gerizim and the other half on Mount Ebal. Uh, Let's just say you are Mount Gerizim, you are Mount Ebal. And when I say mountain, don't think, you know, lofty high mountain. The people on either side would be able to see each other, and that's the point. Because they couldn't only see each other, but they could actually yell across to each other. They could hear each other. Because it's with this division and in this setting... That one side, Mount Gerizim, you guys, lucky guys, would be the blessing. The other side would be the curse, though. And what was happening here is as they were going into the promised land, the land promised to them, God was laying it out for them, like literally laying it out for them. There's two options, guys, as you go in. Blessing and curse. And they started with the curses, actually. And let me just read some of them. Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, 
a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. So you guys would yell it out, and these guys would hear, and you'd all say Amen together. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother, then all the people shall say Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone, then all the people shall say Yeah, you get the point. And look, this carries on, and this is not all of God's laws. These are summaries. These are hitting the main points. But it ends, the curses end with verse 27. So Deuteronomy 27, verse 27. Cursed is anyone who does... You guys should do this. I'm not doing your job. This is your job. You you yell it out. You read it. Then all the people say, oh, look, we're doing it today. And it was then that the blessings were given by the tribes on Mount Gerizim. You guys, you got to say the nice thing, so to speak. But the blessings also were summaries, basically saying that God would bless all of their lives. He'd bless them in the city. He'd bless them in the country. He'd bless their children, their crops, their herds. He'd bless their basket and their kneading trough. Don't know how your kneading trough is these days, but you know, bless your food, you'd have bounty. The thing was, they would know God's blessing through every, every part of their lives. Like it was literally laid out. They were, they were practicing it. These are our options. These are our options. What are we going to choose? What are we going to, what are we going to do? Are we going to be, go the way of faith? The way of trusting God and living in his blessing? Or are we going to go the way of unfaithfulness, not picking on you? The way of unfaithfulness, the way of disobedience and cursing. Which would they choose? Like powerfully laid it out for them, didn't it? Now, if you know the story, much of the rest of the story, well, they did both. Sometimes they lived with blessing. Uh, Often they lived with cursing, though. And it's a sad story, a sad story. But it is this that is the background that Paul quotes in Galatians 3 when he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Paul is pointing out here that God's people have never, hear me, never had right standing with God because of what they have done. They have never fulfilled God's law perfectly. They always broke God's law in some way. And like a chain, if you break one part of it, well, the chain's broken. Like it is. And you know what, this would be depressing and probably make us question, what is the point of trying to walk with God, except that God had always expected his people to look to him to do what they cannot. This is what Abraham did when he trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham sinned like you, like me, but his faith in God led him to trust God's promises and to seek to be faithful. Hear me, he was unfaithful but he sought to be faithful. He continued looking to God 
I've dropped the ball, God. I'm still looking to you. I'm still trying to be faithful. His faith, his trust in God came first, then his obedience, some of the time. He knew he couldn't fill God's requirements for righteousness. Likewise with the Jews. Yes, they had God's laws. They had God's laws. That's great. But you know what? They also had God's sacrifices for a reason. The laws were meant to drive them to rely on God's promises and the sacrifices he'd given them. Then, then they would live in gratitude and thankfulness before God and they would be obedient. Not perfectly, but they would be obedient. And we are no different. We're not. We are no different because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this. When Paul says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Paul is telling us that God knew very well that we hadn't kept and wouldn't keep his law. He knew our need and he knew his curse lay upon us. But the cross is God's promise to us that he has done what we could not Jesus redeemed us, we are told. He bought us back by paying the price himself. He became the curse in our place. This is what theologians have long called, long, long called, the great substitution, that God would send his perfect son to take our place, to take my place, to take your place, and to bear the curse of his law for us. Paul here quotes Deuteronomy 21 verse 23, That cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree, as some translations put it. And this was based on the understanding that for someone to be killed, killed in this way and then displayed, I mean, it's a terrible way to die. It's humiliating. Like this is making the least of someone. And if someone died in this way, then, Jesus, they were cursed by God because that's about as bad as you can go. Like you've stripped of everything and then you're hung up before everyone else. You've got nothing less. Their death shows God's displeasure against them. And yet it's this, this hideous death, this cursed death that Paul connects with your redemption and my redemption by God. Jesus was cursed by God. Hear this. You're not going to hear this out of the pastor's mouth too often. He was God damned, so you might not be. And look, this is hard to hear. And for many of the Jews, this was a massive, massive stumbling block. The idea that the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior would be cursed by God just didn't compute didn't work. This was meant to be a blessed figure, a blessed figure. And and they would be cursed by God? It's hard to get their heads around, but it also shows another reality that they did not grasp the severity of their sin. What did they think they were going to do? Did they think they were going to fulfill God's law and avoid his curse somehow? It, it never worked before. It's going to try harder with it. No, it would never work. And today the cross is still a stumbling block to many. 
Fairly commonly today, people struggle with the idea that God would curse his own son. They don't like the idea that the cross is some sort of parental abuse. And you know what? That is a terrible idea. It is. But Paul is telling us that there is, is, was, no other way. No other sacrifice, no other substitute for Abraham, for me, for you, for any of us. It has always, always been about God providing. It is always about God fulfilling his requirements for justice. And so it was always going to be about God himself stepping into our place. And that's the crux of it, isn't it? He has taken our place. Like the song said, it should have been me. But amazingly, it isn't. God's law led to God's curse, which required God's sacrifice. And incredibly, that leads to God's blessing. It does. And what a blessing it is. This is the blessing of adoption, of belonging to God's family, just like Abraham. Whoever we are, his blessing, God's blessing, this adoption does not rely on you. It does not rely on your background. It does not rely on your ancestry. It does not rely on your intelligence. It does not rely on you. It relies on Jesus and his blood, which God has accepted, and which the Holy Spirit in our lives points to as a seal of God's promise to us. Look, I want to wrap it up here. Three points. Let us stop trying to bear God's curse. And I'm guessing you're thinking I wasn't, I was trying to bear God's curse. Let's just remember that Paul wrote Galatians to a church, to Christians. These are people who, who were trying to add to Jesus. Add some requirements to him. But as they were adding these things to Jesus, they were actually taking away from him and saying that he was not enough. That they could fulfill the law. They'd forgotten their own history that no one, no one's ever fulfilled the law. No one ever will. And this is why we keep the cross in our focus. Yes, it is gruesome. It is, but it reminds us of God's promise to us that he has already done it. Or to use Jesus' words, it is finished. Yes, we repent of our sin. Yes, we throw ourselves upon him. But let us never think, never start to think that we could bear it ourselves. That we can be the sacrifice that can make us right with God. Abraham didn't. And neither can we. And this should cause us to walk humbly before God. If your right standing with God, my right standing with God is a gift from him, then we can't be proud about it. Can't dance around like, yeah, made myself right with God. It doesn't work that way, does it? This should call us to have a deep humility. A deep humility. And it's a humility I think the world is asking for us and looking for in us. Secondly, let us look look for the cursed. 
Look for the burdened in this world. Look for those who are weary and pressed down. Let us keep our eyes open to the troubled and weak because we, because you, have good news for them. Who here has sung the the Christmas carol, Joy to the World? Yeah. Okay, some of you are nodding. It's obviously too hot for hands. I get it. But Joy to the World, verse 3 in that carol goes... No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as what? The curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Because of Christ, God's blessing can go to anyone, anywhere. Anyone, anywhere. Yes, we have good news for all people, but it is so often, most often, those who are feeling the weight of the curse who are ready to learn of a saviour. One of the biggest challenges you face in this world as a Christian, as an ambassador of Christ, is that there is a lot of people who think they're pretty good. They're all right. They're strong. And look, they might have a lot going for them, but that doesn't make them right with God. It doesn't. Just like me, just like you, I'll say it. They are God damned. Oh, but salvation, salvation is available. There is a redeemer. He has come already. It's not an if. He has come. And we have good news for him. And lastly, let us live in God's blessing. The cross is firstly about the curse of God's law being dealt with, but it does not stop there. (laughs) It's also about a blessing, an amazing blessing, the blessing of adoption into God's family. And this calls for us to live in the joy of our salvation, that the Holy Spirit we have is the down payment for our eventual full adoption. That's not easy to do some days. That is not easy to do. But come what may in life, lose what we will in life. And we will all lose, won't we? We're going to lose things. My hair's already gone, crying out loud. Nothing can separate you, separate me, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Not his law with its righteous requirements, because he has fulfilled it. Not the opposition you or I face in this world. Not our ill health. Not sometimes my lack of self-discipline. Praise God. Nothing. And what a joy that is, and that is the blessing we have to live in. Amen. Amen.